Shall we turn to the scriptures? Luke chapter 7 verses 18 to 23. Luke chapter 7 verses 18 to 24 and 28 please father we are grateful to you this morning we thank you for your word we pray that your word will work in each and every one of us, dispelling every fear, dispelling every doubt. And I pray in Jesus' name that your name will be glorified in this house. Release your grace and anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of God's word effective. In Jesus' name we take victory. We bind every critical spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen and please be seated. Today's message is titled, No Need to Doubt. No Need to Doubt. God willing, we'll do the part one today and God willing, part two, the coming Sundays. Praise God. No need to doubt. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, 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 neighbor. No need to. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Doubts are natural to human minds. At one point or the other, we have the tendency to doubt. Doubt those who are around us. Doubt those who love us. Doubt those who guide us. Doubt those who direct us. Doubt those who wish us well. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your teachers. At times, your siblings. At times, your friends. At times, your fellow brethren. At times, even your pastor. And everybody said, Oh man, that's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. At times, we all do fall prey for the doubts that come haunting us, creating restlessness in us, creating sleepless nights for us, creating unwanted dreams for us, creating moments of 
haunting and darkness for us. Praise God. Hey, at time, we are the reason and the source of doubt to many. But we want to go one step further. How about doubting God? Have you ever doubted God? Praise God. Someone once said, doubt your doubts, but don't you ever doubt God and his word. You know, if you tell someone that there are 300 trillion, 400 million stars up in the skies, maybe they will believe it. But and you see a sign that says fresh paint, how many of you have tried to go and and act like Mr. Bean. Hmm? Yes, at times, simple things we doubt. Simple instructions from the word of God, we tend to doubt. And we often face the consequences of the doubt that comes in your life. Praise God. There is always lives which are struggling with doubts. Everyone does. If you have doubted, I want to assure you this morning that you are in good company. Tell your neighbor I'm in good company. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means you had doubted at one time or the other. The great Christians, men and women of God, they all have gone through seasons of doubts in their lives. Whether it be John the Baptist that we read about. Or Thomas the disciple of Jesus. Or the psalmist as we see in the Bible. Praise God. The agony of doubts at times. Will cause us to fling away our faith. To throw in the towel. To call it quits. Don't want to do anything with the Bible. Don't want to do anything with the church. Don't want to do anything with fellowship. Don't want to do anything with prayer. Yes, doubt has the potential to paralyze our momentum in our Christian lives. But doubts can be used and it can become means to a deeper dedication, to a greater revelation, to a stronger devotion, and a deeper understanding of the word of God. So this morning, if you are in the season, caught in the web of doubt, I want you to use this season to get into a deeper understanding of the ways of God. As we sang, his ways are perfect. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But doubts do have the tendency to weaken our trust in God. And it starts right in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. When Satan tempted Eve. Tempted Eve and sow seeds of doubt in her mind. By the doubt was doubting the goodness of God. Oh, all of us go through that season where we doubt the goodness of God. 
the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. God is good by nature and Satan always prompts, creates scenarios, whispers in our ears, takes the circumstances of our lives and turn it around and make it look gloomy and dark and put doubts in our hearts to question the goodness of God. And that's exactly what he did in the Garden of Eden by saying, has he really told you not to eat the fruit of the tree of? Tree of? Knowledge of good and evil. Hey, I've come. How come, why in the world, God, a good God, will prohibit you, restrict you from eating the fruit of the good and knowledge of good and evil? And he got Eve. He got Eve in that web, and the rest is history. You and I, we face the consequences of the of the decision that was made in the Garden of Eden. Praise God. But even though doubts can weaken our trust and faith in God, when we admit our doubts to God, it can also bring in relief in our lives. Now we know that we are talking about who? What are we talking about? We are talking about doubts. Who are we talking about? We are talking about, the text is about John the Baptist. John was perhaps confused. John started with great enthusiasm, great excitement. He was like the wind, the whirlwind, the, the whirlwind that started in the wilderness. He came in the scene with his announcements, his pronouncements, his denouncements, these all of them were powerful. He was a bold man. The man had the audacity to stand against everyone, to stand against the established religion, to stand against the established government, to stand against the established party. He was not afraid at all. But when you are in the pathway, when you are moving like John the Baptist, today or tomorrow, you would get into big trouble. And John the Baptist got into the trouble because he was not willing to water down the message. He was not willing to what? He was not willing to compromise on the message. High and low, he was willing to speak. And he did, and he got into trouble. And we know what happened. He was thrown behind the bars. Praise the Lord. Now, walk, picture yourself, picture in your mind, John the Baptist bound, John the Baptist confined. When you have a lifestyle where you are free, like an ostrich. Why an ostrich? Not like a bird. Why an ostrich? When you are free, 
to move along in the wilderness. To move along and speak what the Lord has given. All of a sudden the man is confined. He is in a small place waiting. John the Baptist was waiting, waiting for the Messiah to come and to release him and to relieve him. As he was waiting for the work of God to be manifested, doubts started, started creeping into his heart. Hey, do you know when doubts creep into our heart? When does it creep into our heart? Yes? Anybody? When does it creep in? Come on. Oh, none of us have doubted ever. So we would not know it's totally foreign for us. Doubt creeps in when things don't go according to our plan. Doubts creep in when things are not moving in our schedule. Doubt creeps in when things are not moving according to our timetable. When things are not moving according to our will. When things are not moving according to the plan. When things are, when you are waiting for the dramatic to happen. And John the Baptist was waiting very, very patiently, but at one point, he had his doubts. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, it's very interesting to see. When you check verse 18, you know, verse 18 says, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. What are all these things? Well, look at the, look at the prior uh, recordings and you will see what all these things are. All these things were sufficient for John to know, to get the answer to the question that he was posing. But all these things were not sufficient because all these things were not making an impact, not making a change in a status quo. Listen church, listen. We have all these writings in God's word. We have all these testimonies that we hear about God moving for someone in a very dramatic way. But when that doesn't touch your status quo, when that does not make a change in your situation, doubt creeps in. That is natural. Praise the Lord. Hmm. You know, it's, impo it's important to realize that John was told about all the things that were going on. But John was holding to something else. It was true that all these things were taking place. What things, what Jesus was doing, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the healings, the raising of the dead. All these things were going on around him. And he heard about the report. And John could identify with it. But he still sends two of his disciples to Jesus saying, what was the question to Jesus? Huh? Are you the one that we've been waiting for or should we wait for, look for someone else? Praise God. Are you the one that we've been waiting for or should we look for someone else? 
what was Jesus' response? Did Jesus rebuke those messengers? No. Did Jesus rebuke John the Baptist for thinking like that? Or, or for asking that question? No. It's good to know that when we go through a season of doubt, you can always go up to Jesus and tell him what you feel, how you feel, why you feel the way that you are feeling, as long as it's an honest question that comes from the predicament that you are going through in your life, Jesus understands and he does not, he would not rebuke you. Praise God. Jesus does not rebuke John the Baptist, but Jesus does something. Jesus says what? You know, what does Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He told them, guys, told the messengers, hang around. Hang around. And Jesus, the next verse says, <laughs> Jesus, he cured people. He healed people. He cleansed the leper. In other words, Jesus, he portrayed right in front of them. John the Baptist cannot see, but these guys are the eyes and the ears of John the Baptist. And Jesus wanted an accurate report being shared with John the Baptist who was confined and who was tormented with the doubts that was rising like waves in his heart. Jesus is concerned with any season that you are going through. Whether you are going through the ups or downs. He is concerned and he takes time. To, he, he heals the people. Tells them now what? Tells the messengers what? What you have seen. What you have heard. Go and report to the. Praise God. Report to the. To John the Baptist. Look at the sequel passage in Matthew chapter 11. You will find additional gleanings there which would help us praise God. You know, see, so these disciples go back to Jesus, go back to John the Baptist and do what? Do what? Reports what is happening. Don't we go through seasons like this? Where we see all around us, people are touched. They experience the grace of God. They experience the abundance of God. They experience the fresh rain from God. And you feel as if you are going through a dry spell. You feel as if you are going through a dry season. You feel that there is no momentum to your life. You are just simply waiting, waiting, waiting for something to happen. That's when drought comes in. But the Lord knows what to do with the doubts that we face in our lives. Praise God. When the warm air of expectation hits the cold silence of heaven, we are perplexed from time to time, for we cannot understand or interpret the seasons of our lives. It is at that time that we still need to hang on 
to the word of God. What does Jesus do? Jesus does not rebuke them or John the Baptist, but Jesus asks them to wait and to see what is going on. What was John the Baptist expecting from Jesus? Church, what was John the Baptist expecting from Jesus? Release. Release. Jesus does not rebuke. Jesus does not release. But he sends a word to John the Baptist. Praise God. Sometimes when we don't see results right away, praise God, we are shaken in our faith. What Jesus was trying to do was Allowing John the Baptist to realize that what was said about Jesus was being fulfilled, was being fulfilled in and through the ministry of Jesus. John the Baptist knew this very well. Praise God. But John the Baptist was harboring on something else. Jesus the Messiah was not according to the same prophet Isaiah who prophesied about John the Baptist he's the same one prophesied about Jesus that Jesus would heal the sick will give sight to the blind cleanse the lepers uh, raise the dead but there was also a saying that he will open what the prison doors oh John the Baptist is waiting he's waiting for Jesus to come and storm the doors open and set him free. And that did not happen. We see that he had doubt in his heart. The problem was not the fact that Jesus was not working, but Jesus was not working according to his understanding and interpretation. This is what happens to us also. When we don't see Jesus working according to our understanding, according to our interpretation, according to our timetable, we are bewildered and we are perplexed. See, John's understanding, he was thinking about a physical kingdom. He was thinking about a material kingdom. He was thinking about a military power. But Jesus was moving in a different realm, in a higher realm. Jesus was moving in a spiritual realm. Jesus was moving in the kingdom of God. Jesus was ushering and promoting the kingdom of God. The problem was the understanding of John about what Jesus was doing was not up to par. He could not understand and therefore he had doubts that started coming into his heart. Jesus was focusing on the eternity while John was focusing on the earthly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hmm. So Jesus tells John, John, all these things are happening. You know, the disciples came, take and give the message. So what was Jesus saying in essence? In essence, Jesus was saying, John, you've been hearing things about what is happening. And yet you are only concerned about what is not happening. Hello? Isn't that true about us? 
We hear about everything that is going on in the kingdom of God. But we tend to harbor on the things that are not happening. Look into our own lives. There are so many things that God has already done in our lives. That is a strong, heavy evidence about the goodness of God. About the provision of God. About the power of God. But instead of dwelling on those things, we tend to dwell on the things that are not yet accomplished. We have human beings, it is our habit, our nature to dwell on the have-nots instead of to dwell on the haves. Praise God. Once I went through a season of such doubt and the Holy Spirit reminded me, told me that look around you and see what I have already done for you. How could you doubt me? That's my personal experience. I was so embarrassed because I realized that the Lord has done so many undeniable events in my life which should not cause me to doubt but lean on him and wait through the season for God to come through for me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, we all have disappointments in our lives. When we want one thing and when that one thing does not work out in our lives, we ask ourselves, what am I getting through my life? I try so hard and I do not get results. Why am I going through this? We all have disillusionments in our lives. Our illusion is we want God to work in certain ways. And when God doesn't work through that, those ways, we are, we, are, we are disappointed because we are in a season where we are disillusioned. Hmm. John and James, not John the Baptist. John and James, they had an illusion. You know, they wanted what? When people did not receive the word, they wanted to do what? They want the fire of God to come down from heaven. Consume these guys who would not receive God's word. Well, God had a greater plan. And God used these guys to minister when the fire of God came down from heaven. The difference was John and James wanted the fire to come down from heaven and destroy us. But the fire that God sent from heaven was not to destroy us, but to give life. But John and James had to wait through that season. Praise God. And God brought them into a season where they could see the fire of God come down. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, when we are waiting for the wrath of God and condemnation to come about, we don't see nothing come. But wait for the love of God to come. Praise God. It will usher the grace of God. The power of God. Praise God. The miracles and signs and wonders. They happen in an environment of love. Praise God. Yes. 
Thank you, Jesus. Think for a moment. When the disciples saw and heard and took, went with the report to John the Baptist, then Jesus spoke again. And now he speaks to the crowd. And he does what? He condemns John the Baptist, right? Is that what he did? Normally, what do we do? What do we do? Well, <laughs> that's not what Jesus did. When those messengers went, Jesus did what? He praised and honored John the Baptist. Now I want you to think about this, okay? Did John the Baptist hear Jesus praising him and honoring him? Did the messengers hear Jesus praising and honoring him? And they were gone. Jesus praised and honored John the Baptist by saying what? By saying what? It's a unique honor. Out of those born of a woman, there is none greater than, greater prophet than John the Baptist. Wow, what an honor. See, when we go through that season of doubts, and we feel low, and then we feel that nothing is happening, I want to let you know that heaven looks at you and does not condemn us. Praise God. He does not condemn us. Praise God. Confined in the prison cell of Herod. Bound, perhaps like an animal. Hopes dwindling. Jesus speaks Highly of John the Baptist. What would Jesus say about you and me this morning? Would he look at us and comment about us? Would he say looking at us, wow, that's a good three-piece suit. That's a good tie you got. Oh, ladies, you guys are wearing the best. I think Jesus would make comment about what we are wearing. What do you think? Do you think Jesus would make comment about what you're wearing this morning? I think so. I think so. Hmm. He would look at you and say, that's my son. Do you see what he's wearing? He's wearing the garment of salvation. That's my daughter. Do you see what she's wearing? She's wearing the garment of praise. Praise God. That's my son there. Do you see what he's wearing? He's adorned with the robe of righteousness. Praise God. Oftentimes when we look at each other, we don't see what God is seeing. And unless we are armed with that glasses, we can testify to what heaven sees. And this morning I want to you, I want to lift you up 
from where you are. I want to assure you through the word of God that you are adorned with the garment of salvation. There is no suit in this world that can be compared to the garment that God has adorned you with. The garment of praise. The robe of righteousness. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus speaks highly of John the Baptist. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. Perhaps this morning you feel you are unaccomplished. You feel you are ineffective. You feel you are unproductive. You feel that you are unfruitful. I want to tell you, do not give up hope. Praise God. Harbor, dwell, settle on the things that God has already done for you. Praise God. Glean strength from the things that the Lord has done. Go from the highest to the lowest. Go from the eternal to the earthly. Go from the spiritual to the physical. What God has already done for you is much, much, much more valuable than what you are experiencing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hold on to his promise. One day he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So why is it that we go through this struggle in our lives? We go through this season in our lives because God wants us not to struggle and give up but the struggle is so that you and I will press on, wrestle with greater intensity with greater focus, with greater faith in the Lord and his word Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said John was the greatest prophet born of woman. And then he makes a statement. What does he say? He says, And yet, who is the greatest of all in the kingdom? Who? The least of this. Praise God. In fact, every born again believer, you are greatest, praise God. John operated in the Old Testament economy. You and I are in the New Testament, hallelujah, covenant. John was the herald of the king. You and I are the friend of the king. John was the friend of the bridegroom. You and I are the bride of the bridegroom, hallelujah. As a person, perhaps, you might not be as bold as John the Baptist. But I want to tell you, as far as your position in Christ is concerned, hallelujah, you are in a better position. You have an edge over all those who have gone before you in the Old Testament economy. We have access into the presence of the King of Kings. Bring our cares and our needs to him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. John gets his word, his answer. He perhaps concluded Jesus to be 
Messiah. Praise God. Regardless of what season you are going through, I want to assure you that your doubts can be resolved. You have to wait in the presence of God. Linger in the presence of God. Hold fast to the promises of God. We are a people of destiny. We are not just made to just live in this earth for some time and walk away. We are a people of destiny. God has created us with a purpose and when God's purpose concerning our lives as we think is delayed we doubt but linger in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Do you doubt? Yes we do. Keep doing your best wherever God has placed you. Be faithful. Continue to trust in him. Continue to follow him. Continue to serve him. Continue to love him. And God will definitely come through for you and for me. I'm going to read a poem out. This will help us to understand how often we trust each other and only doubt our Lord. We take the words of mortals and yet distrust his word. But oh, what light and glory would shine over all our days if we, if we always would remember God means just what he says. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, God means just what he says if he has said that he will redeem you that he will save you that he will come through for you that he will open a door for you that he would honor you that he would lead you that he would guide you that he will sustain you you can bank on the promises of God even this morning as you go through the season of doubts in your life. Praise God. May the uncertainties of our lives. May the seasons of the doubts of our lives. Cause us to press into his presence. And linger in his presence. For God will bring us out. Amen. Shall we all rise up before the Lord. Praise God. Thank you Jesus. All